0: Welcome to Lung Cancer Concert, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all our podcasts on SoundCloud and at islc.org in the newsroom. We are your hosts, Dr. Nargis Flores and Dr. Steven Liu.
1: Hi, this is Dr. Stephen Liu, Director of Thoracic Oncology at Georgetown University.
0: And this is Dr. Narjas Flores, Associate Director of the Cancer Care Equity Program at the Dina-Farber Cancer Institute and Assistant Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School. In this episode, we will preview the 2023 North America Conference on Lung Cancer. To discuss this meeting, I'm joined by two of the meeting co-chairs. First, from Northwestern University to Mohamed Abbasid, is an Associate Professor of Radiation Oncology and co-leader of the Lung Cancer Program at the Northwestern Lurie Cancer Center. Mohammed, thank you for being with us
1: today. Thank you, Narjuist. Hello, everyone. And our second guest is Dr. Christine Besvina, thoracic medical oncologist, assistant professor of medicine at the University of Chicago. Christine, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Christine, let's start with some of the, the basic details of this meeting. Can you tell our listeners, when does this take place?
2: NECLC will take place December 1st through 3rd in Chicago at the downtown Marriott, a magnificent mile. Uh, I would like to encourage our listeners not to be afraid of Chicago in December. I promise with uh, the timing around the holidays, there's actually lots of other exciting things that hopefully you can enjoy during your time at the conference. Um, Early bird registration occurs through October 23rd, regular registration through November 11th, and for those procrastinators among us, we also have a late registration through December 1st. I'm thrilled to be joined by my program co-chairs, Dr. Muhammad Abazid here today, as well as Dr. Loretta Arumsi and Dr. Jyothi Patel. Most importantly, we also have a deadline of October 3rd for abstract submission. I believe that's the same date this program will be airing. So if anybody's out there waiting to hit submit, please go ahead and send us your abstract. And for the first time ever with this conference, we'll also have the possibility of a late-breaking abstract. So for any of you with trials out there where the data is not quite ready but will be close, please consider also submitting a late-breaking abstract
0: wonderful for all dates and i appreciate the comment for the procrastinators to also know when we need to sign up uh mohammed what is the purpose of the north american conference on lung cancer or hashtag naclc23
3: right so the islac north american conference on lung cancer otherwise known as naclac as i like to call it is uh, really a premier lung cancer conference It features educational sessions, platform talks, engaging poster presentations. The goal of the conference is really to explore diverse topics, um, spans multiple areas, including screening and prevention, breakthroughs in surgical management, advanced radiation therapy techniques, novel therapeutics, diagnostics, and of course, thoracic cancer pathology. We've tried really hard to foster uh, networking opportunities, offer insightful case studies and tumor boards that are interactive, and also to facilitate direct interaction with leading experts. And this year, frankly, is no different. We have a great lineup of speakers across these disparate spaces, so we hope your audience uh, will definitely attend.
0: Mohammed, and just related to that question, uh, do we have a North American conference on lung cancer every year, or is it something particularly to 2023?
3: No, this is a yearly conference, um, and so this will happen every year going forward.
0: Christine, these me- meetings takes place in Chicago, like you mentioned, but some people may not able
2: to travel. Is there also a virtual auction? There is. So we felt like it was very important for us to have hybrid or have both in-person and virtual options. For those who want to join us in person, there will be, exactly as Dr. Abazid just mentioned, lots of networking opportunities, I'd encourage you to attend in person if you can't. But if life has other plans for you and you're still interested in both the education sessions as well as some of the scientific program, we wanted to make sure that there was a virtual option so that you can review the content um, to what works for you and your life.
1: Muhammad, uh, who's this meeting for? Who should Who should attend MACLAC?
3: Yeah,
2: so if you're interested in
3: cutting-edge lung cancer management and research, you should strongly consider attending. You know, among those includes oncologists, pulmonologists, surgeons, radiologists, pathologists. I also think it includes basic and translational science researchers, patient advocates, Uh, certainly a great opportunity for students and trainees, and there will be many industry representatives for potential industry academic collaborations. Really the focus is on sharing research findings, discussing best practices, uh, advancing collective knowledge and treatment options for lung cancer. So this applies to a broad swath of the lung cancer community.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us, Mohammed. Christine, I, I think this meeting is particularly a good opportunity for trainees and junior investigators. It has a smaller size, and I know we have a lot of opportunities for networking and discussion, As former trainees, you and I met, we were trainees. This is a great opportunity to share your ideas with leaders in the field. Was this a conscious decision with drafting the
2: program? Yeah, I love the question, Nargis. So exactly as you said, ISLAC as an organization has such a priority on trainees as well as junior investigators, giving them opportunities to network and to highlight their research and and the ideas that they have. And this is absolutely a conscientious decision to make this accessible and potentially a platform to highlight junior investigators. We'll be giving out a number of awards to abstracts that are submitted including several which will highlight junior investigators work. So another reason to consider submitting your abstract um, if you haven't already. Um, But this is really meant to be an approachable conference where you can feel comfortable walking up to any of the faculty members, introducing yourself, um, maybe soliciting a job, I don't know. (laughs) Whatever you need to do at that point in your career, this is really supposed to give additional access to faculty members, to young trainees.
0: Christine, and a question just related to those awards that you mentioned for trainees. Do any of these awards provide monetary support if they are planning to travel to Chicago for the conference?
2: They do. Um, Thanks for that question. So if your presentation is selected, uh, we will help support the cost of travel as well as the registration fee to the conference. So really trying to make this conference accessible to trainees. Thank you. Mohammed,
0: let's look at the program itself. The first session discusses early detection and screening for lung cancer. Can you remind our listeners who should consider a low-dose CT scan screening for lung cancer and maybe explain why more people are not getting a screen and why this session is so important?
3: Yeah, great question, Narjoust. Uh, I think it's always important to remind folks of this recommendation. So the USPSTF recommends screening for adults age 50 to 80, if you have a 20-pack year smoking history and currently smoker or have quit within the past 15 years. And that recommendation is for low-dose computed CT scan every year. There are are, you know, is, is I think your question leads to, there are several reasons why people are not getting screened. And um, I'll list a few of them here. There's a lack of awareness. Uh, I think many people are not aware of the importance of lung cancer screening especially if they don't have obvious symptoms or risk factors. There is uh, unfortunately still a stigma. Some individuals may have, may avoid screening due to feelings of shame or guilt associated with tobacco consumption. Uh, there's things that we need to do on our end, such as lim- uh, increasing access to screening programs. Uh, there's cost issues. There's risk perception. So some individuals may underestimate the risk of developing lung cancer. So they may feel that they don't, they don't fit in the, neatly into that group that I mentioned earlier. Uh, of course, there's fear of diagnosis, concerns about the, the low-dose nature of the radiation, which can be alleviated by speaking to to healthcare professional. And, a, and as a system, I think there's extensive health system barriers. We're just coming out of COVID uh, with an overburdened healthcare system with long wait times. And so we need to do a much better job of increasing access.
1: There are a lot of sessions at this meeting focused on targeted therapies and you know we've seen a lot of exciting agents in development, a lot of which will be discussed at this meeting. And of course, to receive the benefit of targeted therapy, we have to ensure proper biomarker testing. Christine, I know you've done a lot of work on liquid biopsy. Is this now a cost-effective, sensitive test we should be using more frequently?
2: Yeah, thanks for the question. To me, I think when we think about cost effectiveness for liquid biopsy or other biomarker testing, like MGS versus PCR, Um, An appropriate cost analysis should really look at not just the cost of the test itself, but what are the downstream costs. And so we presented at ASCO this year a cost analysis looking at PCR versus NGS testing. And while the cost of the NGS test was higher, the downstream effects of not receiving um, inappropriate therapies, such as immunotherapy, could actually lead to a system's cost improvement. And so to me, we're really starting to see a lot more uptake of ctDNA. I think the role is just going to continue to increase as the sensitivity of the tests continues to improve. And I think we're really looking forward to seeing how else we can use ctDNA in other capacities, such as escalating or de-escalating therapy.
1: The space moves so quickly in terms of targeted therapy. I think those educational sessions and the scientific sessions will be really helpful just a refresher as to what's out there a peek at what's coming ahead i think these are some of the most exciting sessions at the meeting but i'm really also looking forward to the small cell session uh muhammad this is a disease where we've not made a lot of progress on biomarker testing but a lot of the work you've done highlights a lot of the heterogeneity within this disease at the other islac small cell meeting we saw a little bit of that can you talk about how someday we could sort of apply the same biomarkers in non-small cell at least that same approach In small cell, how we can maybe someday leverage that to guide therapy?
3: Thanks for the question, Stephen. It's it's a it's a great one. Um, So unlike non-small cell lung cancer, which I think Christine nicely alluded to, NGS testing, we're still quite limited in the way we taxonomize or classify small cell lung cancers. There was hope about in the last five years that we may begin to use transcriptional groupings based on uh, canonical transcription factors, and perhaps we can treat subsets of small cell. I think data from, from our lab, from Trudy Oliver's lab and other labs suggested that this cancer is really quite remarkable in terms of its ability to, to shape shift or, or change form. And so we're, the current strategies are to, to really try to limit its ability to, to undergo plasticity, phenotypic plasticity. So work in epigenetic modification. Of course, I don't want to diminish the role, the potential role of immunotherapy. There are clearly some patients that long tail that seemed to respond uh, well to immunotherapy. And so we're trying to still identify subsets of patients that may respond to current therapies, but our, our goals going forward are really going to target the plasticity of this disease.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think Steven touched on this a little bit and is how the science of lung cancer is moving so fast. And as we move fast, we get new kids on the block. And those new kids on the block are the antibody drug conjugates. And ADCs are now getting a big seat in front of many conference. You have a session and the meeting dedicated to ADCs. Christine, what role do you think ADCs will play in the treatment of lung cancer going forward? And what can attendees expect from this session?
2: Yeah, so we just got back from Singapore and the, the WCLC meeting where we saw a lot of exciting data for ADCs, um, both from frontline data to third line and beyond. Uh, to me, some of the most exciting data that we saw in Singapore was about pitritumab um where we saw pretty nice response rates for a patient, uh, of about 30% for EGFR-mutated patients who are heavily pretreated. The majority of these patients in this clinical trial had received three or more lines. Um, I think we're also seeing some promising data for other ADCs in later lines, such as a Gotecan, or DAPTO, uh, DXD. What we don't know at the time and what I'm not sure about is Are these um, antibody drug conjugates going to be moving into the first line? Uh, As I said, we're starting to see some frontline data emerge with some promising response rates, but I think the durability of these responses has yet to be seen. But certainly, I think we're going to see a role in, um, in second, third, or later line therapy.
0: I think it's something very good for attendees because we're learning not only how to get these drugs, but also to handle these adverse events that are different to some of the other target therapy that we use. So I think uh, I'm going to be there for sure. Um, And before we close this episode, I think our listeners, would love to hear more about the two of you and
2: your career paths.
0: Christine, can you tell our listeners a little bit about why you decided to focus on the treatment of lung cancer?
2: I decided to focus on lung cancer because as I was transitioning to from fellow to an attending, which is that career transition we've highlighted a few times in this session, um, it was such an exciting time in lung cancer. We were seeing the emergence of immunotherapy. We were seeing a whole new um, variety of tyrosine kinase inhibitors for targeted therapies and new options for patients and seeing the bar really change for our lung cancer patients. I think we also see patients who are on um, a wide spectrum of how they respond to therapies. So we have small cell where we still are really desperate for some better and improved therapies, all the way up to some of our targeted therapies where we can provide uh, patients um, more durable responses, and so that spectrum of disease and the spectrum of need and um, and and really ability to do some exciting research was what drew me to lung cancer.
1: I think we we share a lot of the same themes, Christine Muhammad. How about how about you? Can you share a bit about your career path and and what led you to focus on thoracic oncology?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I I came of scientific and clinical age in the era of targeted therapies. Uh, During my training, we saw the wonderful findings from Dan Haber and Matt Meyerson that EGFR mutations were responsible, potentially responsible for GFITNIP sensitivity. And that really led to an explosion of targeted therapies from ELK and and other other potential targets. So uh, as a trainee uh, in that environment and seeing these amazing responses, it clearly Uh, triggered my imagination and the potential for genomic testing and how that could affect outcomes for patients. So not only did that drive my clinical interest, but it also drove my research interest. I think we've done a a good job. We need to do a lot more in non-small cell lung cancer. And I think a lot of, we need to do a lot more in small cell lung cancer to really bring efficacious therapies and and really bend the the survival curve for that disease.
1: I'd love to, to talk a bit more about the current state of things, but we're out of time for this episode. I want to thank both of our guests, not just for joining us today, but for all their work with this meeting, one that Narjoust and I will be attending, and, and we're certainly looking forward to seeing you all there. Mohammed, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Stephen and
3: Narjoust.
0: Christine, thank you for joining us and for sharing
2: the importance of the meeting and a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk with both of you.
1: Uh, Thanks to to also your co-chairs for organizing the North American Conference on Lung Cancer, NACLC 23. I I really enjoy this meeting. Uh, It's a great opportunity to to meet people on a smaller scale. And Narjus and I look forward to to seeing both of you and everyone listening, hopefully, uh, in Chicago.
0: And thanks to everyone for listening to Lung Cancer Considered, the official ISLC podcast. And I hope you will tune in regularly to give us a listen. You can engage with us on Twitter at ISLC, and you can also check for new episodes at our website, islc.org under the tab newsroom. Thank you for listening again. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Lung Cancer Concert. You can find all our podcasts on our website, islc.org in our newsroom or on SoundCloud. Please take a moment to rank, like, write comments, and share your favorite episodes with your colleagues.